welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to After the Bell, brought to you by Connects Academy. Here at Connects Academy, we're committed to using our business to create positive social change in communities in which we operate. In April 2022, the Department for Education published its Sustainability and Climate Change Strategy. Part of the climate change focuses also look at the environment and how we educate our families and children to care and protect their surrounding environment for future generations, something I think we'll all agree is really important. In our series of podcasts, we are meeting with organisations who are invested in our children through educating them around climate change and how they can make a difference. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Jenny Bailey, who's co-founder and author at Tales from Mother Earth. So Tales from Mother Earth are an eco-publishing company producing children's audio and picture storybooks. And they've come about in response to the climate crisis and focusing on the impact of our wildlife and the aim to boost children's mental health. Their work aims to ignite the conservationists in all of us, get my teeth in today, but especially children three to ten years old, all told from the point of view of Mother Earth. So I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. So let's meet Jenny and some of her characters, including Spike the Hedgehog and Stanley the Water Vole. So welcome, Jenny. Great to have you with us. Hello there. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Jenny. So let's get down and start talking about uh, Tales from Mother Earth. Why did you start this venture? Oh, my goodness. Um, that, that's a great question. But really, it had to happen. It, it really had to happen. Um, we started back in 2019. Um, and I don't know if you can remember, but it seemed like the whole world was on fire with forest fires. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the climate was just seemed to be in a, in a, in a real problem, as it is still, obviously. Um, and with all of that going on, I just couldn't be, I couldn't be just passive to it anymore. I, I really took it in and registered what was happening. And then um, dear, uh, what Sir David Attenborough said that the Garden of Eden was no more. And that made me think, oh my goodness, um, not not that it was deteriorating, not that it was declining, no more. I mean, no more is so final. (laughs) I just thought I need to do something. Um, And it was through talking to a friend really that uh, things started and it was all in my mind, um, the, the whole idea about the climate, the, the loss of habitat, um, the loss of children connecting with nature. And also at the end of the day, I'm a parent, I'm a mum of two um, young boys. Um, and any parent would look to the future and think, what sort of future are my children gonna have? Um, that's yeah. the natural thing for us all to do. And so with all of that in consideration, I just thought, what can I do to help? And really, when I formed the idea and after I had a conversation with a friend and and we formed the idea a little bit more, um, I kind of jumped on the chance because by the very nature of actually doing something made me feel better about Mm -hmm. the future. And I can now look my children in the eye and say, I am doing all I can and I have done all I can and I will continue to do all I can to help because I know how important it is. 
Wow, Jenny, that's such an inspiration. I, I, I hope some of that rubs off on me and other people that are listening to that. Um, it, it certainly is powerful and you're a tremendous role model to uh, both your children and everybody out there. But it's it's great to hear how this has kind of come about. And actually, it's it's not a long time since 2019. So I, I know you've sh- achieved so much already, but how did it all come together? Well, it was when David Attenborough said those words and I had that conversation with a friend. Um, and also around that time, there was a big uh, report came out on pollinators being in major decline and the implications that that would have for all of us across the world. And so with all, all of that going off in my mind, as well as obviously being a parent, I just thought, what can I do to help? Um, and really it came together because we wanted to help. Collectively, we wanted to help. Um, I wrote the story of Phoebe the bee because obviously she had to come first. Um, she's the world's most important living species on this planet, as as gave them the status from um, the National Geographic Society and Earthwatch in 2019. So those three things came together very strongly in my mind. And I wrote Phoebe the bee in the space of two nights, I think. Um, and then I tested it on my children to sort of say, well, what do you think? Do you like this? Um, I never thought that we'd be a publishing company. I just thought it would be one or two storybooks. And I didn't really have a, a plan in place at that precise time how how that would um, reveal itself or how that would unravel. Um, but it, it came quite quickly that, uh, you know, if we're going to do a storybook, we need an amazing illustrator. Um, and because we wanted it to be an audio book, uh, because we wanted it to be narrated by Mother Earth, um, it came together the fact that we needed um, music. Um, so my um, fellow uh, singer songwriter and amazing composer, Chris, um, I approached Chris and, and he came on board to write our music. And Emily, our amazing um, illustrator of Emily Hocking Art, um, she's she's does um, our illustrations for us. So once we were all on board in terms of the team, um, Phoebe the Bee came along quite quickly because we wanted the illustrations to be anatomically correct. Um, we didn't want our book to be a cartoon book in any way. And I guess really um, the plan came quite quickly. We, we wanted the audio element. We wanted a full narration story. We wanted a read-along version. We were really targeting for children from the ages of three to ten. Um, and you might think that's quite difficult because you go, well, is it a three to four year old or is it a three to ten year old? But what we tried to do was add so much more into the content, whether it was in the audio or whether it was into the content of the book to really keep a child active and learning with the conservation message and the empowerment that they can actually help as they as their understanding and uh, development grew. Um, that was our intention. Um, and we've heard from feedback that children I mean, it's a delight. It really is a delight. They love our books. They love the stories. They love feeling more connected with nature and knowing that they can help the animals that are in trouble today. And that really makes our souls soar. We're, we're happy. That That's our mission. It's all about connecting children with nature in the most positive of ways. Such a, such a beautiful phrase as well, making sure that we're connecting them with nature. And and I'd love to hear a bit more about what does Phoebe actually get up to on, on her, <laughs> her travels? What does she do? Well, Phoebe's on a mission. Um, again, because of that report coming out, Pollinators in Decline, I, I had this vision in my mind that, you know, what if there's no flowers left for Phoebe? Mm. 
what if and it's not just no flowers but it, they have to be the right particular flowers for bee it's not like every flower is right for a bee um and that was quite a wake-up call to me i thought if you have flowers in your garden you'll have bees in your garden but that's not necessarily the case they need to be bee friendly um flowers that are providing the nectar and pollen that bees need and the pollinators need as well um so phoebe goes out on a mission um and to begin with in the book everything is good um, she has a carpet of flowers to fly over and she can choose the flowers that she wishes to dip into and take the nectar and the pollen from. Um, and then over time, there's a few changes that develop and people are putting down um, hard standings and they're putting down decks and they're, they're not tending or they're tending to their gardens too often. Sometimes us humans like to make things very neat and tidy in our gardens. It's almost like our gardens are an extension of, um, of our conservatory or of our lounge. You know, we want things to be pristine in a way. We want to be out there clipping our hedges and clipping our um, um, grass like every other week. And for nature, as you probably know, it needs a little bit more mess than that. It needs a little bit more um, allowance for things to grow and things to develop. And and with that growth, um, yeah, things do get a bit messy. Um, I mean, at the back of my garden, I've got some nettles, for instance, and I think that's great because there's so many pollinators that love nettles and also invertebrates and lots of bugs and things like that. And so it's a, it's you're starting a food chain. Everyone's yeah. garden really needs to be an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And with an ecosystem, things are eating things, and yeah. that's okay. And so with us sort of stopping that whole having that need to be so um, pristine and and neat in our gardens, we will allow more animals and wildlife into our gardens, which is really good. So Phoebe's story is the fact that people are either putting in the wrong plants or they're putting in the hard standing. And over time, um, unfortunately, she can't find, and nor can any of her sisters from her colony, um, find enough nectar um, and pollen to take back to the hive, and obviously nectar and pollen is energy to pollinators and bees um, and they start to fall asleep um, because unfortunately there's not enough energy to go around. The, the flowers are depleting. It's, it's quite sad in this respect. And when we do workshops, I look at the children's faces when we get to this oh. point and they're all sort of, oh, goodness, well, how are we going to, you know, how is Phoebe going to manage? But and then it all perks up again because Phoebe is a, a very courageous bee um, and she loves the fact that. Well, she she just wants to help. She wants to help as much as possible. She's determined to find the right source of nectar and pollen to help her colony. So she flies over one more road, one more garden, one more woodland, one more area. And then just as you think, um, you know, she's not going to make it back or she's not going to find what she's looking for. She actually um, finds an amazing garden um, right on the outskirts of uh, the village or the town that's actually belongs to a conservationist. And what they've done in their garden is filled it up. It's like a cottage garden. They've filled it up with lots of bee-friendly plants. And she zooms down and sits, sits up the sweet nectar as quickly as possible from as many dandelions as she can find and, and other amazing wildflowers. And then flies back to the colony, uh, full of energy, full of vigor, does the waggle dance and tells everybody where this amazing garden is and saves the hive. And, and really that's the story. You know what, I think, Jenny, that Phoebe might be just a little bit of you in there as well, <laughs> sending out a message. Is that the waggle I, dance? <laughs> no, it wasn't the waggle dance, definitely not, definitely not. No, it's the, it's the 
carrying on wanting to make a difference and and all of those aspects so uh, yeah so I, I think there's an element an element of uh, Jenny and Phoebe there I think I've never so, thought about it like that ever in all honesty but um, now you come to mention it maybe with the determination maybe <laughs> definitely I, I would say so so also I've heard a rumour that we've got Spike and Stanley so who is Spike and Stanley well, Spike has to be a hedgehog, doesn't he? And he was the second <laughs> book we wrote. Um, yeah, Spike's, I mean, the, the hedgehog is the nation's favourite mammal um, in our country, and yet it's in serious decline, uh, so much so it's on the red list, um, and it's deemed for extinction, which is heartbreaking for mm. lots of reasons. I mean, just just terrible, really. Um, so, yes, uh, Spike is our hedgehog, and he came second, and... We wanted to inform children that they can be more hedgehog aware. Um, if they are lucky enough to have a hedgehog in their garden, they know how to look after it. Um, the fact that hedgehogs need the, the hedgehog highway, they need to be able to roam really from area to area. And again, with us having our neat houses and our neat uh, fences and everything pristine and, and ordered, um, you know, hedgehogs can't get around. And I, I when I wrote um, Spike, I kind of envisaged a hedgehog in our area and just walking around this area at night, obviously, because they're nocturnal. And I envisaged him actually um, coming up against our fences and bashing his nose on our fences because he couldn't get through. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, you know, we need to open up our fences. And obviously the hedgehog highway comes into play there in a very big way. And that's really where you just cut a small hole in your fence the size of a, a CD, basically. Um, and then what you can do is you can actually put a frame system either either side, which promotes if it's inside, it, it promotes the fact that you look after hedgehogs and you're aware that you've got a hedgehog in your area or you want a hedgehog in your area. And if you put it on the other side of the fence, the outer side of the fence, you're promoting to everybody else that, you know, you are aware again that hedgehogs are in the area and you're showing people that you really care for um, the wildlife. That's such a such a proactive thing to do as well, isn't it? And something that everybody could do very, very easily. So, uh, yeah, I can imagine all the children uh, barraging their parents when they get home <laughs> to cut some holes in their fences. So uh, it's well, a bit like they... that. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that sometimes. Again, after we've done the workshops, we sort of children come up to me and I'm going to talk to dad and I'm going to talk to mum and, and yeah, and, and people that are looking after me and I'm going to say I want a hole in my hedge, I want a hole in my fence and you know yeah. it's great it really is because if you think about it um our our gardens take up more space than all of the national parks put together wow. in the country which is incredible and so if you think about it our gardens and again this is what i say to children in in workshops really we have to think of our gardens as shared spaces mm -hmm. it's not just our our domain it's not just our dwelling it's not just our space there's, there's a whole with well, there, hopefully there's a whole ecosystem happening in the garden there's a whole, um, you know, food chains at the moment. Obviously, it's spring and the birds are nesting um, and little birds are hatching and that they need um, invertebrates of all signs um, to to eat. Um, and so it's it's all happening out there. It's an it's an incredible time. Spring is just new life and it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And we need to make sure and be reminded that we're sharing this place with all of the other creatures on this earth. So, very um, much so. yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, including Stanley. So who's Stanley? <laughs> oh well, Stanley, bless his heart, he's um he's a water vole, um and I chose Stanley because again that Stanley water voles are in decline, and so I chose Stanley to um to show children because 
they're probably not that aware of water voles. They probably almost certainly haven't seen one out in the wild because they're so elusive. Um, and so that was sort of to to inform them about this little character that's there. And also the fact that he's semi-aquatic, um, that worked really well for the story because Stanley's story is all really about the issue of plastic in our waterways and, and how our waterways become polluted by plastic. And then obviously the hardships that the aquatic and semi-aquatic animals deal with because of our careless actions sometimes. So Stanley's story stands on, on lots of different um, aspects. Um, obviously, it's the pollution and the plastics in the waterways and also the fact that Stanley himself is quite a, um, his numbers have decreased. Um, and so it's something to bring awareness to the fact that, you know, if we look after our waterways, if we make them clean, um, Stanley and all his friends in the aquatic world um, that are in our rivers and streams um, will will benefit and we'll benefit as well because we all want clean water. It's so, so important. Who's next? Who have we got to look forward to next then, Jenny? Oh my goodness. Well, I got carried away um, back in, what, 2019 and 2020. Um, I wrote I wrote about seven stories in the end because there are so many animals that need our help right now. And because the mission for us is to inform children about an animal and let the story touch their hearts through the illustrations and through the music, if you can get a story to touch a child's heart and then you can actually inform a child how to actually look after that animal, um, there's more chance they're going to feel connected and empowered to actually take those steps of action to actually help that animal. And then you're making a difference and children can make a difference. You don't need to be a, you know, an incredible big organisation or anything like that to make a difference. Um, mm -hmm. One one person can make a difference and it's yeah. cumulative. It really is. Yeah. So. I got carried away. There's, there's a few. There's a few more. Um, I got carried away by the story of the Swifts, for instance. Um, Sunny the Swift, I wrote, um, and you know they are incredible migratory birds. They do everything on the wing. I mean, it, it's just mind blowing. They sleep on the wing. They feed on the wing. Um, they, they do everything. They mate on the wing. They preen on the wing. They hardly ever come down to land until they really go into a nest box to land. Um, and Sonny's story is the fact that um, a lot of our old buildings now, where they used to nest and once they've gone to Africa in their migration and then they come back from Africa, um, unfortunately it's us again, the fact that we seem to refurbish old buildings or knock them down or change the guttering system and the holes and the, and the sort of um, holes that they, they depend on, that they've nested there for some years, when they come back seem to have um, vanished and uh, been upgraded um, and so they're having a hard time because when they come back after that huge huge migration there's uh, there's no space for them and so with all our stories it's little actions from us I mean really little actions from us that can make such a big impact to the wildlife and then if we know we're doing something good for the wildlife that impacts on us and we feel mm -hmm. good about it so it, it's very cumulative and it, it just makes sense to me to if we can empower more children to connect with nature, to do these little actions that are going to make them feel better about their future. We're helping nature at the same time. It, it's a win win. It really is. Absolutely. So how are you? How is the Tales from Mother Earth? How are you getting that? um message out to your schools and, and your community but you know how, how how do you get these books out and how can people actually find out more about you 
Well, we work with an amazing um, number of uh, like-minded organisations and wonderful individuals that understand um, what we're trying to achieve, understand the message, understand the mission, understand the requirement to get children to connect with nature. And I'm hugely grateful to, to the network that uh, we work with. Um, we also have, uh, I think it's 14 stockists now throughout Kent, Surrey, Sussex and Hampshire. Um, and also one in Wales, which is fantastic. Um, they're pre very precious to us. So we've got our first stockist in Wales. Um, we go out to schools, we do story workshops, we do reading sessions. Um, we're going to be at a, a lot of events. Obviously I'm based down in Ashford in Kent, so I try and do as much as I can in my local area. Um, it's, it's all about um, connecting with people really, um, getting that message out there. Our books are also um, sold online from our website, from talesfromotherearth.co.uk. And amazingly, we've sold books across the world from our website, which is, which is incredible. Um, people have sent me pictures from Singapore and Australia and America. Um, and it's just incredible, something like an idea that we had back in 2019. Um, it's published, it's come together, and then and then people are actually reading it and connecting with nature and feeling the benefits of it. I mean, it's just incredible to be part of this process. It really is of um, connecting children with nature. And I say we're part of the process because we are. I mean, there's so many organisations that are fantastic that are doing great, great work. But I'm I'm really proud that you know we're we're in there in terms of. Um, you know, we are making a difference and that's what I guess we set out to achieve. You absolutely are, Jenny. And I think that leads on to what I was going to ask you about what your motivation is and, and how do you keep going? <laughs> well, only this morning I received a, a lovely um, 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 photograph from a school that I've worked with recently. And now our books are in their library with smiling faces of children and saying how much they enjoyed our presentations and workshops. And you know, you've got to keep going, haven't you? Um, it's it, sometimes you can be a bit of a lonely conservationist sometimes, but you know, there are so many people to reach. And if our books are making a difference, there's so many more people we need to reach. I mean, I want to get our books into all children's hands. And if they get it there into their hands when they're very young, like Jane Goodall says, we need to get them when they're young. If we can get them at like three or a four year old, and then our book can kind of grow with them as their understanding and development grows also, then by the time they're eight, nine, 10, they'll have really taken on that message. They would have connected with nature. And you know what, That that is a life thing. It's not just a quick connection when I'm young and I'll forget it later on. You know, if children are planting um, or sowing wildflower seeds um, and they know that bees are in trouble and pollinators are in trouble and they actually see those bees and pollinators and butterflies coming along and tending to those flowers that they've planted, that's going to imprint on a children's mind forever. And, and that is that's the creation really that's out there. And, and that's the message that's so important. If a child with the help of their family obviously puts a hole in the side of their fence um, or under their gate or something like that and they actually see a hedgehog and they stay up in the evening with a little torch and they actually watch a hedgehog walk across their garden to maybe the feeder station that they've put out for it or maybe the home that they've they've made um, or they're they're aware that they've got a home there or maybe just a pile of leaves that they've left in the back of their garden again that's that's going to really make an imprint on that child that oh my goodness I remember that and they'll remember it forever and just for the very nature I mean I, I could go on forever because I am so passionate about this but even just putting up a nest box 
Um, I've written another story called Bandit the Blue Tit, which will come out. Now, blue tits aren't necessarily in, in trouble, but I think they stand, um, Bandit and, um, and his partner really stand for all the small birds in our garden that we need to look after because blue tits are doing okay, but some of the other birds are, are, are declining in numbers. And again, by the very simple act of us putting up a nest box in the right place on a garden fence, you know, we are making a difference for the wildlife out there. And, and that's what it's all about. Very, very emotive, I think, Jenny, <laughs> and, and um, very inspiring. And I completely can feel the energy and your commitment to uh, really getting this message out and, and creating sort of our ambassadors for climate change and, and looking after our, our climate and Mother Earth. The children of the future, aren't they? They're, they're the people that really are going to be make the difference. So you're absolutely right in focusing on and trying to get at this age group and, and making a difference and also getting them to get the message home as well and, and uh, do things differently. So that's incredibly powerful. Thank you. I think, so I, think I was yeah, just going to say, actually, I think that's the other thing, getting the message home, because, um, you know, sometimes children can learn this stuff at school and then they take it home to their parents and I think by the very nature of us putting a book together we're hoping that parents and, and adults will actually sit with a child and, and read it with them and um, and then maybe the school the story will actually touch their hearts as well and they can then do the activities um, the bullet points and the conservation message they can actually do that together as a little family project or something so it will make more of an impact to the child um, and maybe blue sky thinking definitely but I, th I i i'm sure we can achieve this you know more parents will have an understanding if they haven't had the opportunity to connect with nature they'll have more of an understanding of how important it is um and again how little actions can make a huge huge difference um out in the environment and also what a precious opportunity for a parent and a child to spend together to sit and enjoy a book but then also have a little project that they can share in the garden as well or you know out in nature it, it's um yeah it we all know how important mental health well-being and and child sort of you know innocence is also needs to be protected and enjoyed so i i think that actually yeah it tick, it's ticking so many boxes for me jenny i i you know i'm i wholeheartedly want to get your message out so this is why we're having one of these conversations today <laughs> Thank so, you. No, I really appreciate it. That's okay. And and finally, what do you think makes uh, Tales from Mother Earth unique? Why do you think it's different? Um, I think it's the it's the connection we achieve with children um, through our music, um, through our illustrations, um, and through our stories. It gives it, it. Sometimes when you see a book, you go, "Well, that's for a five to seven year old," or "Oh, that's for a, um, a three to two year old." I think because we have such a broad base in our in our age category as well, because we have so many things that are in that book that are also on the on the content of the audio tracks. That, like I said, a child can really learn to develop and grow as their understanding grows and develops. So it's not just a a book to to give to a you know, a nine or a 10 year old, it's something that they can develop with as they grow. And I think that's really important. Um, going back to, again, we didn't want the book to be a, um, 
a cartoon book in any way, all our images are anatomically correct. We're telling a factual story, but we're telling it in a, in a fictional sense. And storytelling really is as old as time, isn't it? We, we listen to stories. So I think there's a connection there that is, that is really unique. And from our feedback, um, which just delights us, you know, children are really loving our books um looking forward to the next one um and they're loving the music um and they're loving the read-along version um like a little tot at the age of two or three can can look at the pictures and take in so much of what they're seeing and and then you know a child at seven or eight can be dancing to the music can be counting the bees um it was amazing actually um when um i took it to a nursery when we were testing it right at the start, we were testing Phoebe the Bee. Um, children were doing a bum shuffle, if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> I had the book on my on my lap and I had all these little children. I mean, oh, they were so sweet and so tops. And they were li literally bum shuffling up to me to, to look and count the bees. And they were like, well, that one. And they were giving them names. It was the most loveliest thing because they were so engaged in in the stories and the images and what they were what they were seeing. Um, and then we did a little, little um, game with them um, whereby we, uh, instead of, um, um, what was it, instead of um, musical chairs, we call it musical flowers. Um, and with the music, we, we pretend that the children are all um, bees and they have to stand on these flowers. And obviously we're taking the flower mats away um, with the music stops. Um, so again, it's reinforcing that the, the meadows are disappearing because what, 97% of our meadows have disappeared in the UK in the last 50 years. Um, and again, it just reinforces that. And I think I think what is unique about us is the fact that all of that combined makes us who we are, makes us tales from Mother Earth. Absolutely. And I think, Jenny, you at the forefront as well, absolutely makes uh, Tales from Mother Earth unique because you've got so much commitment and passion and it really comes across. And I, I genuinely think that you're really, really already making a massive difference. So having this opportunity having Thank having you. an opportunity for me i'm very proud to be able to push this out further and get this message out to as many schools and people that are listening as well because i think everybody should have a copy of phoebe the bee and spike the hedgehog as well in in the homes it's definitely Thank something you. that uh, they need to hear about and appreciate and get in our schools Thank you so much for your time today, Jenny, and I, I hope that we get the opportunity to chat again in future with some future projects. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time and, and hear about your thoughts and how, how this has come about as well. So, and, you know, it proves that one person can make a difference. So thank you. Wow. That's really kind. I mean, I, I would say I can't do it without the team that, that are surrounding yeah. me. I mean, our composer, it's it's a way whereby our stories have that extra um, emotional element and connectivity with amazing music that Chris produces and and those illustrations are just stunning that Emily produces so I don't think I'd be able to do this without those two pivotal people yeah. um, and the talents that they have um, wrapped around Tales from Mother Earth because I'm, I'm internally grateful that uh, we've worked together so well and there's more books there's more books uh, to be published yet so um, yeah watch that space really but uh oh, so many that. animals that need our help right now so I mean if it was my way I'd have brought them all out by now <laughs> it's one of those things <laughs> slowly slowly yeah exactly exactly yeah well we we all need to be raising awareness among the young around the threats facing wildlife and I love how 
Purpose and Mother Earth is reconnecting and empowering children um, with nature in a positive way. It's just really beautiful, really beautiful. Connects Academy are incredibly proud to be working with you and I, we're going to keep working with you in the future so uh, and get some more messaging out there. You can find out more about Tales from Mother Earth by visiting talesfrommotherearth.com, is it? Or dot Ooh, or no, talesfrommotherearth.co.uk. .co.uk, apologies. Or we've also got a little link as well, um, which is going to be coming up on our social value area as well, um, which is on connects-academy.com if you want to find out more or you can always drop us a line. Thank you for listening to our series of podcasts focusing on social value and the levelling up agenda. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational and social value. And I hope that you get the opportunity to listen to this on your daily commute, if you're walking with dog, if you're cooking your dinner or as your focus for the day. Thank you so much again, Jenny. It's been lovely talking to you. Take Thank care. You. Thank you.